it's no secret that children of divorce tend to struggle emotionally and psychologically. And according to the Heritage Foundation, approximately one million children a year are subject to witnessing their parents' divorce in the United States. Munson Flake has had a life full of challenges and overcoming obstacles. He's a child of divorce. At the age of two, his parents were deep into the divorce process. He was the youngest of eight children and, according to Flake, he grew up in what he coins the Great Divide. Growing up, Flake was conflicted because several of his siblings decided to go down a road less traveled and fall into the deep pit of addiction. And at that point, Flake found himself at a crossroads and how he was going to live the rest of his life at the age of 23 now. He has overcome the crossroads of his life, but he also admits that he is still learning. I know I was inspired to have a thought-provoking and meaningfully deep conversation with Flake, which I am now excited to share. So without further delay, I'm Kevin McShan. Let's have this... Conversation. So welcome you to the program, and I'm super excited to learn all about your personal journey this afternoon. Great uh, to see you, my friend, and thank you for a few minutes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Now, Watson, I wanted to start our conversation by talking about your upbringing, mother, because I know that your parents got divorced at a young age, and it really uh, sort of set the course for the rest of your uh, upbringing. So I'm wondering if you could tell me about that time period in your life and how it affected you, buddy? Yeah, it it was, I mean, really, it just opened up a lot of perspective. And so I was the youngest at the time of eight kids. And so I was number eight. And uh, the divorce, it just kind of caused a lot of division within the family. And so some of the family headed down a path that people shouldn't be headed down. And the other half of the family headed down a more sturdy path. And me being the youngest, I just kind of looked at both sides and it was honestly a lot of confusion. When I was young, you're like, okay, wait, what's right? What's wrong? Who's doing this? And who's doing that? There was the whole argument of which parent kids wanted to live with. And then there was my mom saying stuff about my dad or vice versa. And so just a lot of confusion, but it opened me up to a world of you know, I got to figure this out on my own and I got to be able to adapt. And so as I started getting older, 
I noticed just little things here and there that helped me just learn from the experience rather than just going through it. And, uh, you know, it caused a lot of division and it caused a lot of family trauma and issues, but it really just gave me a better perspective on other people's lives and like, hey, a lot of people go through hard things, worse things. And as well, it just taught me how to be always looking for good. And if you always look for good, you'll be able to find good, even if you're in a tough situation. Absolutely. But uh, Morrison, I'm curious to ask you, during that young age, but, but how do you think you found sort of your core foundation in order to grow during that uh, difficult time in your life? Um, yeah, I am pretty young. I'm just 23 years young. I'm just a fresh boy. And uh, I, for me, I guess really it comes down to, a, well, a number of things. The first thing that I'll say is all glory to the man above. I look back at certain experiences in my life and I'm like, there's just no way without some form of divine intervention that I would be able to have been the person that I am today and being able to come out on top of that as I have. And uh, obviously I'm still learning, but every challenge and trial that I've gone through, I am somebody who can't be upset or angry or sad for more than like 20 minutes. <laughs> it goes in 20 minute spurts. I'll be sad. I cry a little bit. And then 20 minutes later, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I have this internal grit and this internal power that has helped me be able to view things in a certain way. And as I realized that, cause I thought, okay, maybe everybody's like that. But then I started meeting people who go through hard things and you see they, not everybody has that, that sense of positivity. And so I almost take it as for me, it feels like a responsibility and a duty to be able to help people who go through the same challenges, but they have, a lot less positivity and they have a lot less, you know, maybe they have depression or maybe they have an extreme cases of anxiety or a physical difficulty, whatever it may be. I feel a duty to be able to say, Hey, I can do it. And so can you, let's work on it together. That, that, that type of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, I always say the only one that cares about your problems is you. So if you uh, spend too much time wallowing in the, it's a despair, buddy. You're taking it away from progress. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. It's just, it's, I mean, the title of our my podcast is just Life Must Go On in the sense of whether you're having a bad day or a good day, the clock keeps ticking. And at the end of the day, if you're going to live however long people live these days, 70 to 100 years, I don't know, however long I'm going to be on this earth, I'm going to use my time to, uh, make a difference rather than just wasting away and uh, being sad all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but just before I ask you your, uh, my next question, I'm, I'm curious for anybody that's watching this who may be a child of the divorce or going through that experience, what do you think would be your messages of sort of uh, strength and inspiration to help them get through that time? Um, for me, it comes down to, and this is actually something I've been working on as far as being, so I'm trying, I'm working on being a public speaker right now. So cool to be talking to you as somebody who has, you know, been doing public speaking, but, uh, in the process of working on that, I've been trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to speak about? And exactly who do I want to speak to? And to me, the main thing that helps people and that's helped me in my life, I realized to figure out where 
and what I'm going to be doing with my life, I have to know who I am. And I have to internally know who is Monson Flake at the core. I have to come to the truth of, okay, I want to be this person, but right now I'm at, I'm at this place. So this is who I am right now. How can I be, get to who I want to be? And uh, for me, whenever you're in a tough situation, but you know who you are, the added security and strength that you get from that alone is able to give you enough strength to push through whatever challenge you're going through. Because people who don't know who they are, they are, you know, they're like puppets to other people. And every decision that they make is based off of what other people think. And if you're already insecure and you're going through a tough time, if you don't know who you are, all you're going to do is fall into whatever else people expect you to be in. There's the whole idea of becoming a statistic where I'm sure you know this very well with your situation with, with cerebral palsy. People just assume he has this condition, so he's going to be like this. But you have to say, okay, deep down, I know who I am, and so I'm going to take my situation and do something different with it. Um, whereas if you don't know who you are, it's very easy to just fall into whatever anybody else is assuming. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I, I always... I uh, tell myself and other people when they ask me how I overcome adversity, you know, I always say that we all are given uh, circumstances and you can either make your circumstances work for you or you can work for your circumstances. And I try to make my circumstances work for me, right? Yeah, 100%. I look at it as, and, and it's cool that you say that because I look at it in a similar way and that's something inside. People think that if you just change specific behaviors, you're going to fix everything, but it's like that helps. But if you don't change who you are inside first, then the behaviors, you're just going to end up going back to whatever you were doing before. And so if you're trying to get out of a situation, you have to change your mindset about the situation and then your behaviors will change as well. When it comes to the great divine, this is how Flake defines the term for how he lived through a time of turbulence and eventually persevered. Okay, perfect. Well, I look at it in a lot of aspects. In the sense of my family, I call it the Great Divide <laughs> because my family really is split in, in two. And we can look at this and compare it to the world as well, where the Great Divide is the people who make good decisions on one side who are wanting to be something more than just an average everyday person. And on the other side is people who are just okay with being who they are. Sure, they make some mistakes and they don't have to change anything. It's just people that are stagnant in their position. And it was the same in my family. I noticed people on one side who were okay with mistakes. They were okay with being, in a sense, mediocre. They were okay. Like, yeah, I've made mistakes, but that's fine. It's just who I am. Versus I've seen people on the other side who were like, I've made mistakes, yes, but I learn from them and I grow from them. And to me, life, the great divide of life is that, in essence, is that, is people on one side who are okay with mediocrity. I've noticed that the instant you bring up something, the norm is to go with whatever's mediocre. When I say, when I'm an adult or when I'm a, or not an adult, I am an adult, <laughs> but when I'm a father one day, I want to stay in the best shape possible. And when you say that, most people will say, oh, well, you know, you get busy, you're having too much going on, you probably won't be able to maintain that. Whereas the people on the other side of the divide are the ones who say, no, even though you're more busy, you'll still be able to have the mentality to be able to do that. 
And so for the great divide to me is those two sides and you have to choose which side that you're going to choose or which side that you're going to, that you're going to live by. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Munson, I always tell myself I'm always a big kid, no matter how old I get, right? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Even me. And yeah, Munson, I'm curious to ask you how you view the term of perseverance and what does that word mean to you in, the, in terms of sort of forming your life philosophy? So how do you look at perseverance? Um, perseverance to me is not exactly, I guess, by when I just first look at the word, I think of overcoming a challenge. But to me, perseverance, I would put it on a much more extended level and say that perseverance is not only overcoming a challenge, but it's I am learning through that challenge and then applying it to whatever comes next. The idea of happily ever after is really nice, <laughs> but for the most part, it, life doesn't work like happily ever after. When you make a big change or you overcome a challenge, you're like, I hope the music starts playing and there's no more challenges. The movie ends, right? But in real life, <laughs> after you overcome a challenge, odds are later there's going to be another challenge. And so perseverance to me is every single time you go through something and overcome it and work hard to overcome it, you now have those tools necessary that help you persevere that will continue to help you persevere. So it's like an ongoing thing for me. And so the way I use that is just to remember that, hey, nonstop, whether I'm doing good or whether I'm doing bad, I'm taking these tools that I've, that I've learned in the past and I'm prepared for whatever else happens. It's an ongoing process to me. Yeah, and one of the things you had to persevere through was the relationship with your uh, stepmother, buddy. And I know it was a, a sort of trying and challenging time in your life. And you eventually became a full circle with that relationship. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about it. Yeah, that, yeah, that one is wild. <laughs> that one was definitely one of you have to just keep going because – me and her could never get along. She was very, unfortunately, just all due respect, but she was very narcissistic, very, she withheld things from us. She treated us differently than she treated her own kids. It was almost like the Cinderella effect in a sense. And uh, she expected me in my story, I was kind of Cinderella <laughs> being the youngest and somewhat of an outcast. And, uh, I, I realized something throughout the process. As far as perseverance, I realized patience and I learned patience. And as well, as much as I can say a lot of negative things about her and our relationship, at the end of the day, I can't hold anything against her because it taught me to not only just react to whatever situation I'm in, but to see, okay, why is this person acting the way that they are. And I looked at her life and I said, okay, what experiences has she had in her life that make her act so narcissistic or make her so holding, she make her hold so many grudges? What are the things that have happened? And once I'm able to do that, it's so much easier to let go. I don't have resentment for, you know, our relationship. I don't have resentment towards her. I don't have to hold a grudge towards her. And as time went on, I mean, like I, in my bio, I talk about how, she got really sick. And for the first time in my entire life, she apologized. But to me, 
just her effort in apologizing was more than enough to me because I had already accepted that I'd forgiven her no matter what the situation was. And so before she even said, I'm sorry, I had already forgiven her prior to that. And then shortly after is, is, is when she committed suicide. And that changed my perspective on a lot of things. I thought about, okay, maybe sometimes in our lives, the challenges and the difficulties that we go through are in a sense, I'm, I'm, I believe in God. And so I look at things in, in, in a godly manner a lot of times and I'm like, okay, maybe God allowed her to go through something challenging in order for her to, in a sense, receive mercy. Because I don't think in her life she would have ever forgiven anybody of anything had she have not gone through the sickness and the pain that she had. But because she did, she was able to receive a chance to say, hey, I'm going to get this all off my shoulders. And when people commit suicide, you don't know what mental state they're really at. And, you know, there's no judgments there, right? I have no idea what, why people do it. And, and, and I've never been in that situation, so I can't say. But I really believe that it gave her an opportunity to finally let things off of her shoulders that she'd been carrying her whole life. And so it did come full circle because now I, I look and I'm just like, I understand her situation more and I learned from it. And although it sucks and she caused a lot of problems for me, it in the long run has really just helped me and benefited my life. Yeah, Morton, I, I always tell people that uh, there's always time for re redemption, no matter how late you get in life, right? There's always time to redeem you your story if you, you find the need to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And Morton, for anyone watching our conversation today, I, I'm curious to ask you, because I'm a big believer in sort of defining your own destiny and taking ownership of your own destiny. So what does that term mean to you in, in the context of sort of overcoming adversity and really defining your own journey? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, first off, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> and so I like this term a lot <laughs> because for me, uh, this is where my stubbornness helps me a little bit. But I am somebody who, whatever the odds are, especially if somebody else says I can't, then I feel a need inside of me that I have to prove them wrong to show them that I can. Um, I listened to David Goggins. He's really awesome motivational speaker. And he was a Navy SEAL. He did all these crazy cool things. And I listened to him and he was in a room one time with a bunch of doctors and psychologists. And one of the psychologists had said that he'd been studying, you know, people's uh, will behavior, like the power of willpower. And he'd been studying that for like 20 years. And he said that everybody reaches a point where they can no longer push farther than this certain point. And David Goggins, he gets pissed off and he's like, I don't believe that one bit. He said, I'm the one person in your whole study that if you studied me, whatever you thought my will point was, I'll push past it. And for me, I'm very much the same when it comes to me trying to achieve something and trying to accomplish a goal. I, it doesn't matter what stands in my way, as long as there's somebody to prove wrong <laughs> and help somebody else, then I'll do everything I can to be able to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Morton, one of the th things that we uh, have in common, buddy, is that I believe that 
we have to invest in adolescent mental health and making sure that uh, those that require that type of assistance get it. Uh, and as you know, those resources aren't always readily available. So I'm curious to ask you about how important you think uh, being aware of adolescent mental health issues is and why that's been sort of such a big part of your life in sort of advocating for adolescent mental health. Yeah, I, well, I mean, kids especially, they grow, they grow so fast. And when you're young, you are li- you're just a sponge and every single thing that comes to you, you soak it up. I remember asking my dad so many questions while we're driving that, you know, he gets a little annoyed because I'm like, what does this sign mean? And, and why, why do we turn this way? And why do we do it? You ask so many questions. And so as a kid, you're always searching knowledge. You're trying to grow. And I believe it's between the ages of like two and 10 that you grow more than any other time in your life. And so children that are growing up with bad influences around them, they slowly develop that very quickly. And so for me, being aware of that is I put a lot of responsibility on, thankfully, I, you know, so far I'm, I'm not a parent yet but hopefully to be soon. But I think about when I was a child, I put a lot of responsibility on parents um, when it comes to their children ending up being good people, being bad people. I think parents have a huge responsibility because all the things that kids learn while they're young, it's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. I still, to this day, I have certain trust issues and I, you know, somewhat abandonment issues because I never had a mom in my life who, who actually really cared for me and just or, or or was never around i should say and so i still have because of my childhood i still have things that have affected me to this day and i'm working on them and i and i do my best to overcome challenges but i see so many kids that end up you're like dang this kid he kind of just he kind of is naughty he pisses me off a little bit and you know he can't behave but then you pause and you look at his life and you see okay in his home this is what's going on and you realize, okay, he's learning this at home. It's not necessarily so much even his choice as much as they still have choices. But being aware of that, I think, helps people, not only myself, but it helps people understand how you should treat kids, how you should teach them, and, and, and the importance of teaching them while they are young, because that will affect them for the rest of their life. Yeah, you know, I think you bring up a good point, but in terms of learn behavior because kids model what they see, right? And if they don't have the role models in life, then then it's my belief that they're a product of what they see, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, Walter, I'm I'm fascinated to ask you uh, this next question, but I I, want to know what is sort of your why in life? What's your purpose and passion, and how do you define that, buddy? Hmm. Good question. My my why in life is ultimately I look at my I look at my situations and all of the challenges and the trials that I've been in. At some point, I've asked myself, like the why me? <laughs> you know, why do I have to go through this? And I've pitied myself, and and just like we all have at some point. And I've realized over time, in fact, I'll share my answer via a story. And 
I remember I, so I, I ended up, I lived in South Africa for two years and I did a church service for, for my church for two years. And I just lived with people. I taught people things. I served people. We built stuff. We just did a lot of community service. And, and this was over the space of two years. And I remember prior to this, I had gotten to a car accident, which halted me from going. And I had prepped up. I'm like, wow, I, I've been doing a good, I'm, I'm doing a good thing, right? Like I'm going to help people in a different country, people who need it more than I do. I get in this car accident, all the money that I'd saved up to go, all gone out the window. And I went through months of, I had physical problems because the car accident had sliced my kidney and I was peeing blood. <laughs> it was just a bad experience. And I kept getting denied with my visa and everything because of my physical problems. And so I was like, I'm trying to do something good. Why is this happening to me? Why, why am I going through this challenge? And eventually things started to slowly work out. I eventually make it to South Africa. And I remember there was a boy who was struggling. His name is Sihle. He's like one of my favorite kids I ever met out there. Um, he was struggling with something really deep and personal. And I remember sharing this story with him. I said, listen, man, before I came out here, I had this struggle with, um, I got into this car accident. I put a lot of people in danger and I had a ton of medical bills and all this. Stuff. And I gave him this story. And in that one moment, I realized my entire situation, my entire challenge was worth it because I was able to share it with somebody else. And so I look at my life, my situations and my challenges, and I realize that the why, my why is no matter what I go through, the reason I'm okay going through it is because I know there's somebody out there who needs to hear my message and who needs it just as much as I needed it when I was going through it. And so I'm willing, willing to go through the challenge in order to help somebody else and just helping even one person, hopefully more, but even if, you, if I just help one person, whatever the challenge is, all the situations with my family, the car accident, my mom passing away, even if I'm able to help one person, then it was all worth it to me. And so that's really my way. Yeah, absolutely. Maximizing your fullest potential in every way you can, right? 100%. 100%. And Morton, you've brought up your faith uh, uh, several times during our conversation. So tell everybody, why is leaning on your faith such a powerful asset for, for you specifically? Mm. I, I think that's a good question. I think that it tests you in ways that you can't test yourself. When you have to rely on faith because you can't see the finish line, because you can't see what's going to happen, it tests you in ways that you need to develop in life. You need it but it's ways that you wouldn't do otherwise <laughs> for the most part. I'd like to know, okay, if I do this, the end result is this. If I do that, the end result is that. That's what we like as humans. We like structure. We like it to be confident and stuff. And we like to be a hundred percent. But I think in order to grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we have to sometimes take a step in the dark and just have faith in whatever it is. And so in my case, I have a faith in God and it plays the role of, there are so many aspects where I feel him pulling me towards something and I don't know exactly what, but I'm willing to take a step with public speaking is one thing. I have always felt the need to be a public speaker. And I just, 
I don't know how to do it, right? I've never figured it out, but I'm going to do things necessary to do it. And so I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to step and slowly but surely you notice, I call them like, it's like a domino, not a domino, a connect the dots thing where every single dot, you don't really know why you're there, um, but it's a new dot. So you go to the next dot and you go to the next dot. And then eventually you're able to look back and see, wow, I see all of these places where I had faith. I made it to those dots. And you see the beautiful picture that you've been making the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast specifically is because when you look at society today, but it's all about division and sort of creating more bridges of division rather than trying to uh, uh, build bridges of unity. So one of the reasons I wanted to start uh, this podcast was to br- uh, build more bridges of unity. So I'm curious, when we look at societal inclusion of all people, how do you uh, of your progress in this regard? Um, well, for me, thankfully, my in, in that case, same idea with my podcast, same purpose, I guess, is to kind of just bring people from all situations, all backgrounds, and apply something that we all can learn. And so life must go on has been huge because you realize that everybody goes through something and everybody has challenges. Everybody has difficulties, even though on the outside, it may not look like it, they do. And being able to be a light of, I guess, connecting people to that reality when people are able to see, okay, even though this guy's really rich, he still has a lot of problems. And even though these people, they seem okay, they have a nice family, they still have a lot of problems. I think when you're able to do that and people are able to see that, bridges come down. And it's more of just like an open arms kind of welcome. I understand you're going through challenges. I've been through challenges. Let's work on it together. And I think I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm curious to ask you, what does it mean to you to live life to the fullest body? How do you make sure that you maximize your own potential to make a difference? Um, well, I think it's to maximize full potential, to live to the fullest. I think it comes down to, for me, I think it comes down to learning from your mistakes. Because I, I'm not a fan of the term no regrets. I don't like it. <laughs> I think that I have a lot of regrets. (laughs) I wish there were certain things in my life that I would have done better. But rather than dwelling on those regrets, I learn from them and say, okay, the next time I do something, I'm going to do it better. I remember at my mom's funeral, she, everybody kind of said the exact same thing. Everybody would step up to the microphone and just share some thoughts. Um, This is at the burial site. And Everybody pretty much said, I, I regret not spending more time with her, or I wish I could have done that, or I wish I did this, or they were wishing for something that they didn't do. And I realized in that moment, I need to live my life where if something tragic like that happened, I didn't have to say, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done that. But it's, I'm living my life imperfect as I am, but I'm living my life in a way that I'm present when I need to be present. I'm with the people when I need to be with the people. And when I did have opportunity to be with them, I gave them all my attention. I, I, I tried my best in whatever situation I was doing. And when you live like that, you learn from the past mistakes. 
you're able to look at life in that way and you say, okay, I failed before, but this time I'm going to do it a little differently. And as long as you're putting in the effort, you won't live with those regrets because you learned from them. Yeah, and you inspired me to ask you this one follow-up. That's why I asked you my final question today, but I wanted to know from your perspective, how could you grow and prosper from failure? Um, well, as far as a very, very, I guess, logical look at it, and then I'll get into some other stuff, but as far as a logical look, I think of the idea of a lot of people do weightlifting. I do weightlifting and I enjoy it. And oftentimes your muscles will grow and expand the most when you're exercising till failure, when you're exercising till you can't lift it anymore. And because your muscles have been pushed so far that they're having to go to levels that they've never been, been to before. And because they go to those levels, then they're able to grow from there. And so I apply that into life where when you are in the depths of despair, when you're at your, you know, rock bottom, when you have just really are, are, are going through it, your mind, your body, um, and your spirit are lifted to a level beyond what you've ever done before. And if you're able to take that and not let it, not just be lazy and do nothing, if you're able to take all of those things, you will progress more than ever before. I have found in my life that the times I have grown the most are the times that I've taken on the most responsibility or are the times that I've sacrificed because adding a load strengthens your muscles. If you're hiking up a mountain, you put a bunch of weights in your backpack, hike up that mountain, it's going to strengthen you and you're going to grow. And so oftentimes a load, whether it be a podcast, you know, whether it be learning a new talent, whether it be taking care of a child or having a girlfriend or a wife or, you know, things of that sort, uh, things of that sort, you're able to grow in ways that you couldn't without it. We ended our conversation by me asking Flake how he wanted his own personal and professional legacy to be defined. And he gave a sensitive and meaningful Final answer. Um, I want people to have something that sticks with them through generations on their own end. I want to be able to be looked at. If I'm to pass away one day, you know, I'm planning on going to 100. But if I pass away eventually at 100 years old, I want people to be able to be at my funeral and know that the things that I shared with them stuck not only with them, but they're going to share with their children and their children are going to share with their children. I want the lessons and the philosophies that I shared and brought to this earth. I want those to affect people for as long as possible in order to bring good, not to be like, Oh, I don't even care if they remember my name, as long as the principles are still being taught. They'll be like, I heard this from some guy a hundred years ago <laughs> and he taught me this principle and as long as those principles are still on the earth and people are still able to learn, that's what I'd like to be remembered as. Even if my name's forgotten, as long as the teachings, as long as the lessons, and as long as the upliftment is still there, then, then I lived a good life. And there's always a reason to aspire to greater heights, right? 100%. 100%. And what's it telling? If people want to get connected with you, buddy, and all the good work that you do, how, 
is the best way they can do that. Um, you can find me, of course, on Instagram, where the underscore LMGO underscore podcast. Um, and then as well, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. We're on Google Podcasts, Amazon, all the places. You can find the podcast on all those websites, and it's called Life Must Go On LMGO. And you can find it anywhere you need. And that's the best way to connect with me. You have my email, <laughs> and uh, people can connect with me that way. And then eventually, once I do speaking, you'll have my website. So that'll be good. Fabulous. Well, buddy, I, I want to tell you that you're uh, doing a great job at uh, inspiring the next and your current generation to really maximize the level of authentic. Uh, uh, thinking and maximizing their potential to make a difference. Your work in the space of mental health and your own personal journey is uh, most appreciated. I want to thank you for trusting me to share your story and for joining me this afternoon to engage in conversation. It's most appreciated. 100%. I appreciate it very much, Kevin. It has been a pleasure, and we'll get you on the podcast soon enough.